Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of our podcast, Alcoholisms. Um, we don't have a real working title, but that's it for now. My name is Tara. I am a very uh, grateful recovering alcoholic, and I am here with my co-host, Dan, or my dad, actually. Would you like to say hello, dad? I would like to say hello. <laughs> okay. Well, um... I had this idea to start this podcast quite a while ago, and I actually badgered my dad for months um, so he would join me because I, throughout my, I've been sober for uh, eight years, and I got sober when I was 21, and throughout the whole time that I've been sober, and even beforehand, um, my dad and I, who were both alcoholics in recovery, have had conversations about alcoholism, and, you know, I just think it's not really a well-understood topic and I feel like there is still a lot of stigma and confusion and uh, frankly like despair around alcoholism and you know the whole recovery addiction narrative so I just thought it would be you know maybe not only helpful to us but maybe helpful to someone else who isn't able to have these conversations about alcoholism and recovery with people who they love or friends or family or anyone in that nature so I have decided to start a podcast with my dad and we are here to talk about all things related to alcoholism addiction and recovery because with the two of us combined we have many decades of alcohol abuse and recovery under our belts so I thought it would be a great idea to just record conversations that we already have I mean me and my dad talk about alcoholism and recovery often um, I think we talk about it in a really healthy helpful way so I just thought maybe we should record it and share it with the world. And so here we are. Yeah, I mean, Tara is correct in that she did have to badger me some to do this, but I'm glad I'm here. And this, as I understand it, is going to turn out to be a series of conversations that Tara and I would have in the course of any given day. So that's what we're here for. And Tara's idea for the first or this first episode was that we would both give a general history of ourselves relative to our alcoholism. And that would probably be a good place to start so people would have an idea of where we stand and, and what our experience is. So, are you going to go first? I will go first and share my little story of the time of my life that I so lovingly refer to. Um, so here we go. I started drinking when I was about 12 or 13. I was in like seventh grade, I think. And, you know, I would say that I grew up with like the very American notion of, you know, alcohol and binge drinking, because like when you're young in this day and age, you grow up and you just are bombarded with alcohol ads and, you know, parents drinking and friends drinking and there's just this such there's this huge drinking and binge drinking culture in America and I grew up almost as if like alcohol was promised to me like it was like if I could make it to 21 then I would be entering like the promised land of drinking and binging and college and parties and spring break and you know so I was just when you're young or when I was young specifically I just always thought that I would grow up drinking because you know most adults drink so I just thought that was like a very normal thing to grow into so I started drinking when I was about 13 um I would just you know get drunk with my friends here or there and then 
I mean, we could get into like very detailed, long stories, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep it more general just for the sake of this podcast, but, um, or just for the sake of this episode. So around the age of 16, 17, I started going through some pretty severe mental issues. I had an eating disorder. I had pretty severe depression and anxiety and OCD that I had dealt with basically like my whole young adult child life. And I didn't really understand what it was or know what it was because conversations about mental health were not popular or were not even talked about as regularly as they are today. So around that time, I started drinking more heavily. I would drink after I came home from school. Um, I would drink, you know, as much as I could with the few friends that I had. And eventually it turned into me drinking every single day the summer before I graduated what, what was supposed to be my senior year of high school. Um, and then during my senior year of high school, I graduated early and started going to a community college and I ended up hooking up with a boy who was also like a very serious alcoholic and drug addict, even by the time we were 18 and I ended up being in a relationship with him for two years. I dropped out of school. Um, I had my car taken away. I had basically my entire life taken away and For the next two years, him and I got into a very dark and abusive and unhealthy relationship. And at that time, I was blacking out every night, every day by the time I was about 19. And that lasted again for about two years. And then towards the end of that or at the end of that, like we had a one night where we had this huge fight and. I came home and I was bloody and had cuts all over me and um, my mom actually found me on the side of the road stumbling around in the dark completely drunk and she ended up calling my dad who came over at like 2 or 3 a.m. and we had somewhat of an intervention. I don't really remember everything that was said or done but we talked about it and I had apparently agreed to go to rehab so at 19 I went to my first rehab stayed there for about a week and then I left and then uh within a couple months after I found out that one of my friends had died in a drinking related accident I started drinking again and basically drank my way until I was about 21 years old I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened between then and now I, you know, hooked up with other guys. I was in other, you know, unhealthy relationships with other people who were also fellow addicts and alcoholics. And by the time I was 21 years old, I was not nearly the same person that I was before I started drinking. I, oh man, I don't even know how to describe it. I was just... I just wasn't myself. I wasn't me. I was a a shell of the human being that I was. And my whole existence revolved around drink, like a drink. I couldn't function without a drink. I would wake up and I would, I had shakes and I had severe anxiety and I literally wasn't able to function without a drink in my, in my system. And towards the end of my drinking when I was 21, I would wake up 
and I was drinking as soon as I woke up and then I lost my job and then, you know, it was blacking out. I had been blacking out for many years at that point, but it just got really severe and I basically planned my own suicide and, you know, had the intention one afternoon when I woke up, I started drinking and I just knew that was going to be the night that I killed myself. And I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to be alive anymore because it just didn't make any sense to me. Like alcohol was just a drink. Like it was just something that was in a bottle that was feet away from me. But for some reason, I wasn't able to stop. And like everyone around me was telling me, just stop. Like it's just as easy as stopping. Like just stop drinking. Just quit. If it's ruining your life, why don't you just quit? And I couldn't give them an answer. I had absolutely no idea why I was not able to stop drinking and why it was so difficult for me or why I, I don't, I just thought that I was weak and that I was weak minded and, you know, I didn't have any morals and I just thought that I was just this horrible, terrible person because I wasn't able to, to quit something that seemed like it was so easy to do. So, you know, after a while I was just like, I can't live my life anymore. Like I can't stop drinking. I can't live a life that's sober and, I can't even go five minutes without craving and I just my life was no longer ruled you know by anything else other than the alcohol that I wanted to drink so I woke up one morning or one afternoon and I had planned that that was the last night of my life I didn't want to live another day I couldn't live another day I was so ashamed of who I was and I wasn't speaking to my family or my family wasn't speaking to me actually or some of them and I just I couldn't, I knew I just couldn't go on like that. I knew I didn't want to go on like that. And I somehow miraculously woke up that next morning. I guess I hadn't gone through with my plan, although I remember bits and pieces of trying to go through with it. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, I I don't want this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I, I can't be controlled by alcohol anymore. So I reached out to some family who was local and they were at my house within a couple hours. And from then I moved out of the place that I was living. I removed myself from the place where drinking was a temptation. And I went to my second rehab, which was a, an outpatient facility in town. And I went there for like, what, a couple months? I don't remember, two or two, a month, two months. I can't even remember how long it was. And I decided to give life a real shot. And I was able to remove myself from alcohol and all my temptations for long enough that I was able to find some strength in my wobbly alcoholic legs. And I have been sober ever since. So that's basically my story in a nutshell. Um, now, Dad, it is uh, your turn yeah. to share. <laughs> the first thing I wanted to say in response to listening to that is, of course, these are things that Tara and I have talked about a lot, but it's extremely difficult, not only for her to talk about, but it's extremely difficult as a parent for me to hear that. But I don't believe with that that th- that, that is what this is this podcast is about, so I'm not going to dwell on that. But uh, obviously, that's a thing that's prevalent to me all the time. But my story, um, I grew up in a small town and was given a lot of things at birth that a lot of people probably wish they had. You know, I did very well at school. Uh, was one of the best in my class. Had a lot of friends, was popular, and all that stuff. Growing up was, was good for me. 
The first time I drank, I remember um, a good friend of mine and I came to my house and we had the cousin of an older friend or another friend of ours buy us a six pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer and a bottle of Annie Green Springs Peach Creek wine. And we sat there and drank that. And I can remember feeling, my God, this is great. You know, I just love the way this feels. But anyway, it obviously had a severe impact on my personality and things because my older brother, who was there at the time, uh, I remember him grabbing me and just looking me in the face and saying, Dan, you cannot drink. You just can't drink. And I'm like, you know, what the hell do you know? You're a 15-year-old boy kind of thing. But anyway, things went on from there. Um, my high school was filled with a lot of successes. Um, did a lot of drinking. And, you know, this is another thing that's interesting to me. Um, my best friend at the time was probably almost twice as big as me. And most of the drinking I did early on was with him. He could drink way more than me. But I was very competitive and always tried to keep up with him. Never could, but, you know, I don't know. That's kind of a side note. But anyway, when I was 17... I had a pretty bad car crash and was probably pretty lucky to have survived it. But I was drunk at the time. But there were a myriad of circumstances surrounding that that allowed me to believe in my mind, well, it wasn't alcohol so much as just misfortune or bad luck, right? But that was the first time in my life that I can remember where anything didn't go my way. I mean, it was something that happened that I was like, you know, this this kind of thing just shouldn't be happening to me. But anyway, from there, I went on to college, struggled a lot in college because I was spending a lot of time drinking. And by the time I was about 20, um, like Tara had mentioned, she reached a point, I just didn't really want to be here anymore. But instead of killing myself, I just stayed drunk for about four months. I would get up in the morning, start drinking, and I would drink all day until I passed out. At the end of that time, I was, uh, well, I wasn't insane, but my behavior was pretty insane. And I wound up in a rehab. And I stayed there for six weeks. And I came out of there at least knowing that the possibility exists that I shouldn't be drinking, you know. But I didn't not drink because of that, but it became more of an issue with me internally every time I did. And the farther I went along into that, the more I realized what it was doing to me and the negative impact it was having on who I was. But I didn't stop. And uh, in the latter part of my 20s, I got married a few years later, started having kids. Of course, I'd gone to college and was working and eventually went to law school and uh, became a lawyer and kept doing that kind of stuff um, and didn't drink a whole lot during that time. But in my mind, if I were honest with myself by then, uh, I knew that I was an alcoholic. I was the kind of person who, when I took a drink of alcohol, that's what the day became about. Nothing else really mattered. All I wanted to do was continue to drink. 
And most every time I drank, that's what I did. I drank and from that point until I would either by choice go to bed or pass out somewhere. But anyway, that went on until I would say in the, the latter part of my 40s, there was a time when my law partner and I had gone to play golf on one side of the city we live in. And usually when we went and played golf, we didn't drink, but that day, for some reason, we did. And we drank and we drank, and of course, the way I drink is I continue to drink. I had to drive about 50 miles to get home, and I don't remember driving home. And um, that scared me. And I had, by then, I had all my children and, and my law practice and everything else. But anyway, I remember it was the next day that I looked up Alcoholics Anonymous. And it so happened there was a meeting right across the parking lot from where my office was. So I started going to AA every day uh, at lunch and met a really good group of people. And I don't know. I didn't, comp- I didn't stop drinking at that point. And I still struggled with it for for a good long while, probably, because I was probably in my, like I said, mid to late 40s when that happened. And there were a number of years where a variety of other things happened that aren't as significant. But, you know, that's that's kind of the point where I really made the conviction that this is something that I should not be doing bad for me. You know, I've got the problems that I've got, but... Drinking only makes those problems worse. So that's kind of that's kind of my story. There's obviously a lot more detail stuff we can get into as we move along, and I'm sure we will. But that's where I am. That's where you are. That's where, where I. This is where we are. <laughs> this is where we are. Yeah. Um. Something I just wanted to also say about your. A journey with alcohol is that I you know I I didn't see you drink many times like you weren't the kind of alcoholic who was like drinking all day every day like Mm -hmm. I can count on both of my hands the times that I saw you drunk in my lifetime yeah well I I didn't sorry go ahead I was just gonna say well that's true I didn't drink that much that often aside from that one time that I described when I was about 20 and I drank for four months straight I never was a day after day drinker you know, I was the kind of guy who, it's just like I said, when I started drinking, I was going to drink, by God. I mean, that's that's what the day was going to be. Yeah. And it and it did bad things to me. And the farther along I went in my drinking career, uh, the more I was able to see that drinking had a very debilitating and a negative effect on me as a person. And it would take me days to recover psychologically from getting drunk. Yeah. And so, like yeah. we... You know, it's funny. You talk about your one brother who told you you cannot drink. Well, you actually, my dad has two brothers. The one brother told him that he couldn't drink the very first time that he drank. And it's funny because his other brother told me when I was 21 and just about to get sober, he said, you drink like your dad. And <laughs> I thought that was really scary. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, if it's this bad. Like, I already knew it was bad. But, I mean, Dad and I are very similar in our drinking styles. Um, mm-hmm. We're, we, you and I are both, like, the 
the kind of people the alcoholics who start drinking and do not stop drinking and for me just from the couple times that I've seen you drunk I mean you just turn into a completely different person and I know that for myself yeah absolutely and like from from what I've heard from my my siblings is actually funny funny story I don't know if it's funny or not but they actually used to call me the Hulk when when they would see me drunk because hulk smash like i would just become abusive and violent and not that you were abusive and violent like i never saw you act that way but i just turned into a crazy person i turned mm-hmm. into a, you just turn into a person who you just cannot control anymore yeah uh, that is the truth i mean uh, i don't know how how relevant it is to say this kind of stuff but um i have a tendency to be you know, somewhat arrogant and a little bit of a smart ass. Um, when I drink, those characteristics are amplified. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so no, I'm not a, an abusive person. I'm not a violent person. I never have been. And yeah, so that's not really the issue. But the but the, the negative qualities that I possess as a person are the, are the qualities that come to the fore when I drink. Mm-hmm. So, and you're also correct that you didn't see me drink much because I didn't drink much. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink often at all. And that was another thing. One of the things that I did, I had a hard time accepting the fact that there was a thing that I couldn't do, right? Mm-hmm. Because I could do anything I wanted to do. But, you know, I, I got smashed in the face with the knowledge that, you know, this is a thing that I can't control fairly early on, but yet I couldn't accept it. So I would make rules for myself, like I'm not going to drink and drive anymore because I did a lot of that when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to drink the day before I have to go to work. And I always adhered to those rules. And I could tell myself then, we'll see, I've got it under control. I can handle it. I mean, I don't think it was until that day that I described where I drove home and don't remember coming home that I ever fully accepted the fact that I'm an alcoholic and I have no business drinking. Mm-hmm. And I do so at my own peril. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, for me, I mean, you are—you actually were the first person to ever tell me that I was an alcoholic. And I don't know if you remember this conversation, but we were in the car and you were driving me somewhere, and you just made it very clear. You're like, you know, I've—I know this. I've experienced it. And like, you're only what was I, sixteen or seventeen at the time? Like I was so you were 17 young. or 18. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do remember the conversation. I do yeah. remember the conversation. And I think it was when you were 18 because I had taken your car from you by then. Yes. Yeah, I was. Yes, I was 18. That's right. Because you took yeah. my car after I was 18. So it was when mm-hmm. I was 18. And man, I just remember like I knew that you were an alcoholic. Like, and I didn't know really exactly what that meant. I just knew that it meant that you couldn't drink and that you just turned into a different person when you drank. And I just, for me personally, I was only 18 years old and there was just no way that I was going to accept that I was an alcoholic. Like I started to have, I mean, even from the first time that I drank, if we go all the way back to when I was 13, I did not drink like the other girls. I started drinking and I did not stop drinking until there was physically no more alcohol. And then when there was physically no more alcohol, I tried to convince my friends to like go steal more alcohol from their parents. Like I just wasn't satisfied. Like they were all drunk. Mm -hmm. We were all drunk, but I was just like, I just needed more. And there was just like this weird 
pulling sensation inside of me that I just like I just needed to get more drunk and I have been that alcoholic ever since my very first drink there's no doubt you and I are alike in that regard yeah but you know part of, and this is another episode but part of the danger in talking about it in that way is that I think there are a lot of people who believe that unless you're that kind of an alcoholic or someone who absolutely just can't stop drinking for any length of time, that if if they're not like that, then they're not alcoholics. But you don't have to be that way to be an alcoholic. You certainly don't have to be that way to severely abuse alcohol or any other substance. I mean, but yeah. it just so happens that this is the way that both you and I are. Yeah, and I was literally actually about to say that. Like, even as much as many similarities as we have in our drinking, like, I was not the kind of drinker that could, I mean, even though I was, like, obsessive about it and I couldn't stop once I started, I, my drinking went on, like, I went on benders. Like, there was never a time where I drank, like, one day. Like, I was drunk from the time I was 17 until I was 21. Basically, the entire time, the, I think I was sober for three months after rehab rehab that was the longest I was sober I stayed drunk that those entire years and like it's just it's I think that a lot of people like you just said like there's a lot of stigma around what alcoholism is and isn't and like I am very much an alcoholic and you are very much an alcoholic and even though we're similar in the ways that we drink like there's differences because I was never the kind of drinker who just drank one day and that was it like I was weeks at a time benders months like I could not physically stop drinking but also you're absolutely right in the in the fact that like you don't even have to be a drinker like that in order to be an alcoholic like that's just you're right like that's just the type of people that we are but mm-hmm. I mean, alcoholism and like, again, you're right. This is a different episode, but I mean, basically alcoholism is a thousand things and not everyone who has alcoholism looks the same. Like there's alcoholics who can, who drink every day and they don't black out or go crazy, but they just drink very steadily every day. And then, you know, they stop drinking and go into DTs. Like I was actually in rehab with a woman who was like 40 and didn't even consider herself an alcoholic, but she just drank every day. And then she like mm-hmm. tried to stop because she she had to do something for her mom or something. I don't remember what happened exactly. But then she went into DTs and she was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, and you know, I never imagined this for myself. I knew that I couldn't really stop drinking. I knew I liked it. But I mean, again, there's just like a million and one ways you can categorize alcoholism. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe we can get into that more in a different episode but like basically that's why we're here like that's why I really wanted and pushed for this podcast to happen because I think it's so important to have these conversations around alcoholism and addiction and recovery because they're so misunderstood and like when I was 18 and you were telling me that I was an alcoholic I could not accept that because I didn't think it was possible for 18 year olds to be alcoholics like I just thought that Mm -hmm. you were crazy and that you were just upset with me because I was going through a party phase and that's what I kept calling it I was like this is my party phase dad like I'm allowed to do Mm -hmm. this all my friends are acting like this and like no they weren't like none of my friends like dropped out of high school not dropped out of high school but no one graduated early and dropped out of college and like lost their car and ran away from home so they could continue drinking like that was just me like that was just Mm -hmm. someone with alcoholism even though my friends in high school would drink occasionally like I took it to the extreme. Back to that that point that you have referenced about when I sat in the car with you and told you, Tara, you are an alcoholic. I mean, at that time, there was no doubt in my mind that you were. And there was also no doubt in my mind, having lived through what I'd lived through and, and seen it in, in other people and, and dealt with it with other people, 
that me telling you that wasn't going to make any difference at all. And I never took it as you didn't believe me. I think that you had enough respect for me to worry that there's probably something to this if my dad is telling me. But on the other hand, I'm 18 years old. I'm invincible. And I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing because this is what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, there was just absolutely no way that I was going to give it up at 18. Like I wasn't even 21 yet. Like I couldn't even legally drink at that point. And like, I was so terrified of how much life that I would miss out on if I had stopped drinking. Because like when you grow up, I feel like there is a drink to complement every stage of life. Like, like today so happens to be the Super Bowl. Like so if mm. you go to a Super Bowl party, like everyone's drinking beer. Like if you're going to go to a New Year's Eve party, you have to toast a glass of champagne or like if you have a nice business meeting, you're going to have a martini or like a whiskey or, you know, there's just or if, like even actually when I went wedding dress shopping, they were offering they were trying to like shove champagne down my throat like, oh, let's celebrate. It's a time to celebrate. Let's celebrate with champagne because apparently mm -hmm. the only way you can celebrate as an adult is with drinking in champagne. So, yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's really for young people. And like, maybe you didn't experience this because like you didn't try to like fully, fully get sober when you were 21 or like at a really young age, but like, no, but I really struggled because I was so terrified of what life would be like without alcohol because life is just so full of it. And I thought yeah. that I would miss out on everything if I wasn't able to drink anymore. Yeah. Well, I no, I know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. um, even though I didn't really make a sincere effort to get sober until much, much later. But for instance, I had referenced this car accident that I had when I was 17. I was, you know, over at a cousin's in Louisiana and we were doing some things that we, you know, obviously shouldn't have been doing and had this horrific car crash. And it, I mean, it truly is miraculous that the both of us didn't die, but neither one of us did. Neither one of us even really got injured that badly. But it was severe enough of an occurrence that even at that young age, it shook me. It shook my core because up to that point in my life, there was nothing. There was literally nothing I couldn't do. But I was confronted in right square in the face with the notion, wait a minute, there may be something that I can't do. And, you know, there are some legal ramifications I had to go through, things that I couldn't imagine me having to go through. But I went through them. But as young people often do, what I did, I mean, and I would think like you were talking about, I would think, how can I, how can I live my life without drinking? I mean, how can I go to my senior prom without drinking? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I go hang out with my friends without drinking? And I just couldn't fathom that. So ultimately, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fathom it. You know, I went ahead and, <laughs> I went ahead and drank, you know, because that's what, but from that point, you know. That was a thing that I couldn't ignore mm -hmm. completely, but I shoved it aside. Yeah. And I kept it at bay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had that moment when you confronted me with that. Like, you definitely planted a seed. Mm -hmm. And like, as much as I wanted to be like, oh, my friends are doing it, blah, blah, blah. Like, there was a tiny voice in the back of my head that was like, maybe this is something that I can't ignore. Yeah, I've got to I got to say this. I'm sorry for cutting you off. I, I shouldn't do that. But that instance when we had that conversation, one of the things that you had said to me that you had just referenced a minute ago was how 
you tried to explain to me that everybody or all your friends were doing it. That wasn't quite accurate. What what you had said to me is, you know what it's like to be 18. Everybody does it. Everybody gets, you know, you were just getting smashed and stuff. And yeah. I was you know, trying to be rational with you. And you said, everybody my age does it. And I went, no, just the people you hang out with do it. But no, everybody's not doing that, right? That's true. That is how that conversation went. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. But it's true. I mean, the people that I went to high school with were still in high school and they mm-hmm. were going to school every day. And I had drank enough that I, you know, got the easy way out. Like I finagled myself out of going to my last full year of senior high school. I got out of that and then I enrolled in college to make it look like I was doing something. But, you know, mm-hmm. when you look back, you can definitely see all the things that you did to make it easier for you to have access to the lifestyle that makes it easy for you to drink. Yeah, there's a number of things that I want to touch on real quick, and I don't think that we should talk about them much because I think that it moves us into other areas. Mm-hmm. But I will. I would like to say this, and that is that as far as relationships between parents and their children go, you and I have always had an exceptionally close relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we, we, we've always talked about things at a level that probably, even when you were going through your teenage years, when a lot of parents and their kids distance, you know, we didn't really do that. No, I think we got closer, actually. <laughs> yeah. But another thing that I will say, too, is that during this time, during Tara's worst time, and this is a a thing that that I have to try to live with, and I I just do the best I can. When Tara was at her worst, I wasn't around because I had gotten myself indicted for a crime and actually spent 16 months in prison. And so when Tara was at her worst, when she talked about the night where she had decided to end it, I was nowhere to be found I, I couldn't help her there was nothing I could do so which actually makes it more remarkable to me although we've talked about that in the sense that had I been there and had I been there to help her that perhaps it wouldn't have turned out for you the way it did and as hard it is as it is for me to accept that I have to acknowledge that you know it very well could be true yeah I really believe with every fiber of my being that like when people get sober, they have to want it a thousand percent for themselves. And, you know, I really feel like if you came, cause you would have come in and rescued me like from that situation, like it was bad. And if you had been around, you would have known how bad it was. And like, you, you were even asking all the adults in my life, like, please go check on her, like go do something. And, uh, you know, everyone was, there was obviously other traumatic family stuff happening at that time. And everyone was preoccupied and no one, you know, it's almost as if, I think people were preoccupied, but I also, maybe there, and maybe I'm making this up, but like also maybe there was a sense of like, oh, she's 21. Like she's just drinking and Dan's an alcoholic and he's overreacting. Yeah. Like, I feel like I've had that sentiment expressed to me a couple times, but you know, again, I really believe not that I don't, I don't really believe that things happen for a reason or whatever, but like, I think things happened how they happened and mm-hmm that I was able to pull myself up from that and decide that I want it for myself. And I really don't know if I would still be here sober eight years later if someone had just tried to decide for me. Someone like me, you know, had I been <laughs> yeah. there. You know, and that, that, I mean, again, that is a difficult thing for me to reconcile. But the truth of the matter is that 
that's likely true. But we'll never know because the path happened the way the path happened. And as far as the other people in in our lives go, the ones that I had reached out to, um, it's not that those people don't care, mm-hmm. but I think there's some truth to what you said, that Dan might be overreacting is what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But also, you weren't their child. Yeah. And as much as they may love you, they don't love you like I love you, mm-hmm. like a parent loves you. And like you said, they've got their own lives, their own troubles. and um, There was some really there's... traumatic stuff happening for everyone at that time. There was indeed. So. But the point is that, that people have their own lives. And um, I don't know. Yeah. It takes, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I don't want to say that it takes a special person, but it would have, it would take it an, it would have been an extraordinary event for someone to have taken the mantle of, of father or parent to you at that time and yeah. stepped in and done the things that might could have or should have been done. But yeah, anyway. well, I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, it happened how it happened. And regardless of, the past we're sitting here now and still having really you know in-depth and healthy conversations about alcoholism and recovery mm-hmm. and not to cut it short but there's a thousand and one topics that we could definitely get into from here so let's just wrap this let's let's i know let's just let's wrap this one up before we get in too deep on anything else um but um yeah so that was our very first episode of Alcoholisms, conversations about addiction and recovery. The first part, Alcoholisms, is what the podcast will be called. Not completely sure about the second part, but we're working. It's, it's a work in progress. But um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we're going to be trying to upload these on a weekly basis. Um, don't have any socials to promote at the moment. We're going to have to get that figured out. So bear with us. But um Thank you again so much for listening and, you know, we're hoping that this will bring some sort of helpfulness to other addicts or alcoholics or people who are in recovery or trying to be in recovery, you know, we just hope it helps because I know from a firsthand experience how difficult it is to get sober. Dad knows from a firsthand experience how difficult it is to get sober and, just the more conversations and the more resources that are out there for other people to listen to and to relate to, you know, the better. So you want to say bye, dad? Bye, dad. (laughs) Thanks for listening guys. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.